Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. When it comes to buying your first home, everyone has questions. Can we even afford to buy a house right now? Well, I need to negotiate. How do I even negotiate? Luckily, a REMAX agent has answers. Hey, Brian, those are really good questions. They are? Thanks. It's my first time buying. I work with first-time buyers all the time. I got you. Remax agents have more experience than other real estate agents. Visit Remax.com or download the Remax app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Each office independently owned and operated. Ditch the clowns on the left. And the jokers on the right. And join Michael Smirconish right here in the middle. This is the Smirconish Podcast for independent minds. Don't worry, it'll all be over soon. One day to go. And then we can start talking about 2024. Actually, we can start talking about 2024 now, given what former President Trump had to say over the weekend. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, on this Monday, one day in advance of the midterms, I am reporting live from the other side of America. Isn't that what Meek Mill says? No, actually, I'm reporting live from my native Bucks County, Pennsylvania. The Pennsylvania Senate race might be settled in my native southeastern Pennsylvania County of Bucks, and the entire Senate could be determined by what happens in Pennsylvania. Holly Otterbein, who was an excellent guest of mine on CNN on Saturday, I was really uh, pleased with the CNN show on Saturday, not, not because of myself, but because of, of my guests. I had six reporters from six Senate battleground states. She represented the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, and we went through each of the races, and I thought they were just extraordinary. But Holly Otterbein and Jessica Piper have written what was early this morning, at least when I did my final read in the lead story at Politico battle for Bucks County. Oz and Fetterman converge on a must win Philly suburb. The lead of the story says after more than 260 million in ad spending, man, that's a grotesque sum, isn't it? Holy smokes, but it speaks to the importance, at least the perceived importance of Pennsylvania and visits from two former presidents this weekend. The Pennsylvania Senate matchup between John Fetterman and Mehmet Oz could come down to Bucks County, where the two candidates held dueling events miles from one another on Sunday. Robert Costa, now with CBS, co-author with Bob Woodward of the recent bestseller Peril, is going to join me in the second hour of the program. He's a native Bucks Countyan. The story from Politico says, on the unusually warm Sunday for early November, Oz campaigned with Representative Brian Fitzpatrick in Upper Makefield Township, while Fetterman and Democratic gubernatorial nominee Josh Shapiro rallied supporters hours later in nearby Newtown. I feel like this national POTUS audience already because I talk about it so much, knows a thing or two about the county where I was born and raised, but Politico puts it this way. Bucks County, with stretches which stretches along the Delaware River north of Philadelphia, 
and has a population of roughly 650,000, represents the swingiest of the Philadelphia suburbs. Former President Donald Trump came within 2,700 votes of winning the county in 2016 en route to a statewide victory. And four years later, President Biden carried it by more than 17,000. So so Trump lost, but came within 2,700 votes, which was a shock to many. And then four years thereafter, Biden carries this county by 17,000. The county has thousands of potential ticket splitters, a group that Oz urgently needs on Election Day. Republican gubernatorial nominee Doug Mastriano, who has struggled to fundraise and largely been abandoned by national Republicans over far-right ties, is poised to lose to Shapiro. The celebrity doctor-turned-GOP candidate was joined on Sunday by two politicians skilled at winning over ticket splitters, Fitzpatrick, who represents Bucks County, and a slice of neighboring Montgomery County, and won re-election two years ago despite Biden winning his district by six, and Susan Collins, who handily won re-election in 2020. I thought this was kind of funny. I mean, what was the final uh, word from Oz yesterday in Bucks County with Susan Collins at his side? Quote, I want to bring balance to Washington. Doesn't sound like the guy I met at the Christmas party who said he couldn't possibly come on my radio program because it would offend everybody at Fox. No, today it's today it's all about him, you know, trying to convince that he's not an extremist. Does not sound like the same guy. Uh, yesterday I was uh, on with Dana Bash for State of the Union. Dan, can we grab my soundbite to Dana? I'm not the one who made news yesterday. That was Hillary Rosen. But just in terms of a setup, this is the way that I characterize things for Dana Bash. Michael Smirconish, you uh, just came down from the great Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. What are your thoughts on what you're seeing there and then just more broadly? Broadly, there's a consensus that's formed. It's based on the polling data, the betting markets, which I pay attention to, (laughs) maybe most importantly, the travel schedules of the principals, like where are people being deployed and where's the money being spent? It would all have to be wrong for there to be something other than a huge victory for Republicans on Tuesday night, which I anticipate the, the only saving grace, I think, for Democrats could be that the Republican vote has been undervalued in the last few cycles. And maybe pollsters have this time overcompensated for that. But I think that's a stretch. You came from- yeah, I would also add to that uh, the issue of ticket splitting, which is getting a lot of attention. And we've got some good links at Smirconish.com today that address ticket splitting in Georgia, ticket splitting in Pennsylvania. Look, among the four marquee candidates in my state. Josh Shapiro, Doug Mastriano duking it out for governor, Fetterman and Oz for the Senate. The superior candidate among them is Josh Shapiro. He will handily defeat Doug Mastriano unless, like, there's a triple lightning strike tomorrow. I could never imagine. And I, I, I've learned to guard my words because of Trump's upset in 2016, but I would be, I, I would be just shocked if anything other than a significant Shapiro win were to take place. And, and this is the way that it, it has relevance to the Senate control. No longer in Pennsylvania can you pull the big lever. You cannot vote in one fell swoop for a ticket, Democratic or Republican. You could vote for all Republicans. You could vote for all Democrats. But you got to tick them all off one at a time. Right. So. So the coattail that might be automatic 
for Fetterman isn't there. Will Fetterman benefit from a strong showing from Shapiro? I think that he will. I mean, if you're John Fetterman, you'd much rather have Josh Shapiro at the top of your ticket for sure. But there's also a a strong tradition in this state of ticket splitting. And there might be people who say, "Okay, of course, I'm going to vote for Josh Shapiro. And why, of course, might they vote for Josh Shapiro? Well, because gubernatorial is a local election, right? Where the focus is on the fact that Republicans control the legislature. And if Doug Mastriano were to be the governor, there'd be there'd be no governor in a control sense on abortion restrictions. Josh Shapiro represents an opportunity to keep in check a Republican legislature that post Roe versus Wade might want to impose one of the strictest abortion bans in the nation. So that is going for Shapiro. Additionally, the governor in the Commonwealth appoints the secretary of state with an eye toward 2024, you know, another check on the office of governor is to put Shapiro in there because Mastriano himself is an election denier. So I think there are many reasons that that even Republicans and a significant number of independents for sure are going to go with Josh Shapiro. But maybe in voting for Shapiro because they're not totally sold on voting for a D, but they got to do it in this case. It's like, okay, in the Senate race, you know, at least maybe I'll go for Oz. Why? Because I think that the Senate race, much like the Georgia Senate race, much like the Nevada and Arizona Senate races, are ending up being big picture, who do I want to control the Senate? Not so much Herschel Walker. Not so much Laxalt. Not so much, you know, fill in the blank. But do I want Republicans to control the Senate or do I want Democrats to control the Senate? So I think there's going to be a lot of ticket splitting and we just don't know which way the Senate is going to go. When I took a look at uh, 538 this morning, having already looked at real clear politics, having already looked at the betting markets, which we're going to get into in the third hour of today's program, it's a toss-up, slight advantage to the GOP. I think Nate Silver's got it at a 55% likelihood, maybe 54% likelihood. I'll tell you something else about Pennsylvania, just you know, in the event It's decided by a whisker between Oz and Fetterman. There is still doubt about one aspect of mail-in ballots, and that has to do with, and I've gone through this, I even created a video, put it out there on social media, and a lot of people watched it where I, I showed the outside of the envelope and tried to explain. Up until now, listen to this now, up until now, There's a requirement that you sign and date the back envelope. And up until now, if you had put in a date that was clearly erroneous, like if I put in my birthday, March 15, 1962, and sign my name, and it's not asking for my date of birth, it's asking for the date that I signed the ballot, that would have been accepted. And if I instead signed the ballot and didn't date it, that would have been grounds to reject it. And, you know, Republicans want to be strict on these requirements. Democrats want to be liberal on these requirements because each is benefited by that outlook. Why do I bring it up? I bring it up because Saturday, the state Supreme Court issued yet another order. On Saturday, the Pennsylvania State Supreme Court unexpectedly issued this order clarifying its definition. And now they set forth, okay, here are the dates. 
Mail-in ballots are to be rejected in this election if the handwritten date falls before September 19 or after November 8. But there is still a split between different state and federal courts on this issue. And if the race, I'm just want you to file this away. If it gets decided by a really thin margin, uh, that might come back and we could be talking about that on Thursday. Who knows? So on Dana Bash, I was not the newsmaker. Hillary Rosen, a Democratic strategist, was the news, the newsmaker. Why? Because she said this. I'm a loyal Democrat, but I am not happy. I just think that we are, you know, we did not listen to voters in this election. And I think we're going to have a bad night. And, you know, this conversation is not going to have much impact on Tuesday, but I hope it has an impact going forward. Because when voters tell you over and over and over again that they care mostly about the economy, listen to them. Stop talking about democracy being at stake. Democracy is at stake because people are fighting so much about what elections mean. I mean, voters have told us what they wanted to hear, and I don't think Democrats have really delivered this cycle. Right. Voters have told us what they want, and we didn't listen. I mean, maybe you're thinking it's too soon for the postmortem to begin But the polling data all says, and if you look at Smirconish.com, the newsletter, the website, the lead story that I went with today, because I I wanted to think, okay, what's the most important story? What do I want the most, the most read or most must read? There we go. Of the day to be. I went with an ABC Washington Post poll that sums up voter sentiment. And it says two things. It's the economy. And to a second extent, it's the unpopularity of the incumbent. Economic discontent and President Biden's unpopularity continue to fuel Republican prospects in the closing days of the 2022 midterm campaign with the share of Americans saying they've gotten worse off financially doubling since Biden took office. How about this number? With inflation at a 40-year high, 80% of likely voters call the economy the top issue in their vote for Congress. It's not abortion. It's not January 6th. It's the economy. And as between the hands that each side hold, economy, democracy on the ballot, as Obama says, or economy and crime and to a lesser extent borders, it's the latter. Republicans hold a better hand. And I think that Hillary Rosen is right because at the end, it's been throw anything at the wall and see what sticks. There should have been, and I I know some of you are going to call, some of you are going to call, and you will appropriately say, well, Michael, there isn't a Republican plan. I guess the Republican plan is to hold Democratic spending in check, but there doesn't need to be, politically speaking. Politically speaking, there doesn't need to be a uh, a plan. There, there, There just needs to be something other than the incumbent and his party. So it really seems teed up for a Republican gain. I know that David Wasserman said that he was taking the under 26 being the norm in terms of states that get picked up. Uh, I'm, I'm taking the slight over the Senate. I don't know, but I'd give a slight edge to the Republicans. I would give a slight edge to the Republicans, but none of us know. And the biggest message of all that I offer is make sure your vote is heard. Vote, 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 vote. Don't listen to me for guidance because I'm not giving you any. Not in my home state and not in anybody else's home state. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. 
Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. You can make money the hard way becoming a bullfighter or save money the easy way with Xfinity Mobile. It sure beats making money as a human cannonball. Now through March 21st, learn how existing Xfinity customers can get a free line of unlimited intro for a year when they buy one unlimited line. That's hundreds of dollars in savings on your wireless bill. Visit XfinityMobile.com today. Restrictions apply. Xfinity Mobile requires Xfinity Internet. Reduced speeds after 20 gigabytes of usage per line. Data thresholds may vary. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app. Robert Cahaley is the CEO of the polling group called Trafalgar. He made a big splash in 2016 on the national scene, which I think was the first time publicly releasing polls. Trafalgar was the firm whose state surveys most effectively presaged Donald Trump's upset win. Cahaley even called the exact number of electoral college votes that Trump and Clinton would receive, 306 to 227, although his prediction of which states would get them was just slightly off. This is Robert Cahaley. Hey, Robert, thank you so much. for. I know how in demand you are, and I'm thrilled to have you back for just a couple of minutes on the eve of this midterm. How are you? I'm doing great. It's always time to talk to Michael McConnell. Thank you, Robert. So big picture, I was saying in my setup when I came on air about a half hour ago, in the end, it really is the economy. I looked at ABC and the Washington Post saying that for 80 percent of their respondents, they say the economy is the number one issue. Oh, there's no question. It, it, it is definitely the economy uh, in every state except New York. And crime is number one in New York. And economy is number two. And in those states where it's the economy number one, usually it's crime number two, right? The reverse of New York? Yes. But crime is very dependent upon where you live. People who live in very rural areas just don't, crime doesn't really register. They're more concerned about property crime than like their physical safety. But uh, suburbia and urban areas, it's definitely crime. Interesting, because you know that uh, some of the data suggests that it's the red states that proportionately have more crime. But I think people in South Dakota and Wyoming don't get worked up about it. 
Well, and again, I, I've been this long enough that I've made a day to say almost anything. But it, there's no question. We, we live in a day and age where crimes are on video. People see them. There aren't more hurricanes, but we see them more often. There are probably more more muggings and sucker punches. We just see them more often. So it, it, it definitely can create the spec. The constant coverage can create the specter that there's more of something than there used to be. Abortion and January 6th, because we know what issues each side holds. Republicans are on the economy. They're on crime to a lesser extent, but still on borders. And then the Democrats have largely been all about abortion. At least they were post row overturning. And then democracy being on the ballot, January 6-ish issues, Barack Obama, President Obama making a big deal out of that in the last couple of days. How do you evaluate the cards that the D's have been holding? Well, what we found is that there were a few, a, a segment of the population, roughly 18%, that abortion was the number one issue. Almost no one that abortion was the number two issue. It's either the thing you're all about or didn't make the top five. Right. And of those people who had it as their number one issue, 80% of them lived in a state where it wasn't in jeopardy. So they're a Californian, they're a, they're a New Yorker, they're, they're some very blue area where already it's not going to be taken away. Exactly. Mm-hmm. How about January 6th and democracy loosely defined? Well, January 6th and democracy you have to look at differently because when people say, are you worried about the democracy and Republicans answer the phone, they're talking about uh, you know, the, 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 they're talking about the raid to Mar-a-Lago, they're talking about the you know, the stuff with the uh, pro-life activists and SWAT teams, they're talking about Facebook and the government working together. That's what they think the threat to democracy is. So both sides can contribute to that threat to democracy. But as far as January 6th, we didn't find anybody that that was their number one issue in any of the swing states. And by say anybody, I mean no, nothing over a percent. So what do you make of that, that people obviously were all aware of just how serious an issue that was, but what people have come to say, see it as a one day event and not an ongoing theme? Yeah, I mean, it it is one of those things where and you talked about this, I think it was after 2016, maybe about how people kind of live in bubbles. Yep. You talked about kind of going home and driving the truck or something. Yep. Yeah, I, I think that it is in the New York, Washington, D.C. bubble, it is a lot bigger thing, you know, because most other people just say political crowds, riots, they just kind of lump them all together and just think it's bad. They don't like any of it, but they just, they're not, it's not something that affects their everyday lives. Because in the end, people, like it or not, they don't think about the future. They're not, political philosophers they're thinking about putting food on the table can i go to the grocery store after dark and without being in fear do i worry about my kids or grandkids overdosing on fentanyl from the border that's what they think about there are four states where the senate races are perceived to be up for grabs nevada arizona georgia and of course my pennsylvania where are you in those races i don't think nevada's up for grabs I think Nevada is going to go to the Republicans. I would add, I mean, I think you just say Arizona. So, um, yeah, I think Arizona, uh, literally with that libertarian dropping out and endorsing masters, 
that thing is neck and neck. I would not want to be an incumbent over 50 neck and neck with my challenger where I, um, Kelly, especially in a state where Kirsten Cinema has demonstrated, here's how you kind of buff your party when need, when you need to, which is what people expect in, in Arizona. So uh, Georgia, ever since the debate, um, all the polls that have decent records in Georgia have shown Herschel continuing a lead. Then there was the ad done. Uh, Vince Dewey did a personal heartfelt ad looking at the camera, asked people to vote for Walker. had been running 10 days when Dewey passed last Friday. Georgia's literally been shut down for the last week. All the news coverage has moved off the Senate race and the governor's race to the passing of Coach Dewey. He's just an icon. He's the, you know, uh, Bear Bryant of Georgia. And all that, you know, there's no talking about him without talking about Herschel, who won the national championship in the Heisman Trophy while he was a coach. So all the highlights feature that and all the video, recent video events do is in a Herschel Walker endorsement ad. Wow. So all this is contributing to an environment that I think Walker may not only win, but he may win without a runoff. But I don't think there's any chance that Walker's in second place. Holy smokes. Uh, okay, so you, so Cortez Masto, you don't see her having a shot of winning in Nevada. You, you think that's going to go to Laxalt. You think that Arizona yeah, yeah. Arizona is just, you could flip a coin, but I'm hearing you say you don't want to be in Kelly's position as an incumbent with this momentum. Absolutely. And in Pennsylvania? Pennsylvania is... <laughs> You, you described it last night on CNN very well. It is – Oz is not popular. Right. Uh, Oz is not seen from being there, uh, being from there. But at the same time, there's real concerns about how Fetterman would do, how Fetterman is going to handle the job as senator, and the fact that he hasn't been more open about his record uh, and, you know, his health. And that he, you know, can't articulate certain things, and you know, him saying that he's the whole fracking thing, and then Biden saying in the coal mine that didn't help Fetterman either. So, you know, I think that one is going to be really tight. And whereas in Nevada, you have the benefit of the governor and Senate candidates kind of boosting each other, the Republicans just never got behind Mastriano. And it have and these whether people know it, these campaigns are always a little bit symbiotic. And so, you know, if Mastriano was was a lot was a lot closer, Oz would probably already be winning. But he's not. So it's it it's a dogfight, you know, and it's just I think that one is even though our most recent poll had uh Oz up by two, that was a week ago and this thing can move back and forth. So that's all about turnout and at Clearly, the, uh, the president and Obama and all those guys think they can generate some turnout, and so did Trump. So, I mean, they all were there for a reason. So I think everybody knows that's where the fight is. And the other one I would add is Bulldog. I think uh, Bulldog has – I'd give him 50-50 odds to win in that Senate seat up in New Hampshire. Really? I, I thought Republicans had nationally folded their tent and taken some of that money. Well, and it's The nationalists folded the tent completely. But we had him up by one. Matt Towery with Insider Advantage had him down by one. And St. Aston College had him up by one. So I I think, you know, that's – I mean, they've got a really good record up there. And, um, you know, and then I I trust Matt almost as well as if I did it myself. So 
I mean, I think that was within the margin of error. Having Sununu come on board so aggressively, their ads with Sununu endorsing him, Sununu was on Hannity endorsing him, uh, that kind of brought over some of the moderates. And the guy's done like 100 town halls, and she's done zero. You don't win. I mean, everybody who's ever involved in a presidential campaign knows you don't win New Hampshire by running a bunch of ads and not shaking people's hands. I take it the uh, the Arizona gubernatorial race is Carrie Lakes? Yeah, I, I've seen nothing to indicate that Carrie Lake is not going to win that race. Uh, it's, you know, Hobbs didn't debate her, and frankly, I wouldn't debate her if I were Hobbs either. Uh, she, this woman is a very talented debater. She's She's good on camera. She just is. So, yeah, I think she's probably got that thing. I, I really don't uh, – that would surprise me if she does not win because we've there, had her and most other of the polls with a decent track record have had her up for uh, three weeks, five weeks. Robert, is there anything else in the country that you have an eye on that you think people are overlooking? Well, I've been talking about New York for two and a half months. Do you think that because Lee Zeldin is, yeah. is going to win that race? I think that race is a toss-up. Oh, you do? And I think the fact that it's a toss-up, I mean, right. we had it as we had it as a tie and real clear uh, a poll about a week and a half ago. I think the closest anybody's gotten, one of the polls had it at four. I think Emerson had it at, at uh, maybe eight. But this is a race everybody said was a 15-point race. And what we detected – and we actually asked the question the third time we polled it, was well, we people, have people talking about Cuomo, Cuomo this, Cuomo that. And so we just asked the question last time, who did a better job as a governor, Cuomo or Hochul? Cuomo over Hochul, 60-40. Hmm. If your choice today, if your choice in the election was Cuomo versus Zeldin, who do you vote for? Cuomo beat Zeldin 55-45. So that tells me there are a lot of – and I look at the cross tip. There are Cuomo people a part of the Zeldin coalition. This machine has existed since the 80s, and they're not big fans of Kathy Hochul. So I think that's something that people aren't really paying attention to, but I think it's there. Final thought for Robert Cahaley from Trafalgar. You didn't get respect in 2016 for what you were saying. And even after, there were many who thought that you know you were a broken clock that was getting it correct – but they've come around, haven't they? The Nate Silvers of the world, meaning those those other prognosticators or evaluators, whatever they want to call themselves, have they not upped their rating of you and your work? They have. And just, just last week, the uh, Real Clear Politics put out their 2020 ratings and had us uh, tied, I think, with Susquehanna for number one. Number uh, one. We had for, for error rate of like, I think it was, they had it at 2.6. Uh, so... You know, most of the most of the media firms are all in the five percent error rate. So we're we're perfectly happy to be in the lowest error rate category. And um, yeah, I mean they they've come around because it's just mainly because I'm you know I I talk about how old fashioned most of them are. They won't change, and they haven't recognized that people have changed. So you have to change the way you contact them and the way you talk to them. Robert, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I took notes, and uh, my audience did, I'm sure, as well. So we'll we'll talk about this on Wednesday and reflect on your visit here on Monday. Or maybe next Wednesday. This is going to take a while. <laughs> Aha, okay. <laughs> Wednesday, right, the Wednesday following. Robert, thank you so much. Yes, Always. Thank you, sir. That's Bye. Robert Cahaley, the CEO of, of Trafalgar, ladies and gentlemen. 
This is the Smirconish Podcast from SiriusXM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. You can make money the hard way becoming a bullfighter or save money the easy way with Xfinity Mobile. It sure beats making money as a human cannonball. Now through March 21st, learn how existing Xfinity customers can get a free line of unlimited intro for a year when they buy one unlimited line. That's hundreds of dollars in savings on your wireless bill. Visit XfinityMobile.com today. Restrictions apply. Xfinity Mobile requires Xfinity Internet. Reduced speeds after 20 gigabytes of usage per line. Data thresholds may vary. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app. Robert Costa is chief election and campaign correspondent for CBS News. Robert Costa is so many things, frankly, including co-author of Peril with Bob Woodward, the number one best-selling book about the final days of the Trump presidency. Most important for our purposes today he, too, is a native Bucks Countyan. This is Robert Costa. Hey, Bob, thank you so much for coming back to the program on Election Eve. Michael, always great to be with you. Thank when, you. When I read in early this morning, and I, I had to make this one of the lead items at my website today, at Politico, the battle for Bucks County. And, you know, here it is. Yesterday, you had both Fetterman and Oz in Bucks County, Susan Collins came in for Oz. Fetterman was there with Josh Shapiro. I've been saying for six months that Senate control might come down to Pennsylvania. Now people are saying Senate control could come down to an area you know very well, Bucks County. Help me sell that to my audience. It, it, it actually is true, and I'm not just biased because I grew up in Bucks County, and you're a Bucks County guy. The reason Bucks County matters is it's vote-rich, number one. You have hundreds of thousands of people living in this area, and they're politically independent. Uh, they come very much in the Smirconish mold in the sense that a lot of traditional Republicans who have gone, grown frustrated with the drift of the Republican Party are open to different kinds of arguments uh, on different issues, even though their core values are somewhat economically conservative, fiscal conservatives, culturally open to progressive ideas, but there's a lot of opponents of abortion rights and supporters of abortion rights. So, for example, Bucks County was long represented by Jim Greenwood, a moderate Republican supported abortion rights 
but overall pretty conservative on the economy. What's so intriguing about Bucks County right now is that it, it's everything for Mehmet Oz, and it could be everything for the Senate Republicans. Because you see Mehmet Oz in the closing days. He shows up at Trump's rally in Latrobe, Pennsylvania, in Western PA. He needs to have that base come out, but he's not leaning into it. He knows they're going to come out for Mastriano. He knows they're going to come out to vote against President Biden. But he's not so sure he's locked up that vote in the Bucks County area, that David McCormick-type Republican who maybe wasn't uh, so open to Oz during the primary. He needs to nail them down. And in politics, actions tell you everything. And what did Mehmet Oz do over the weekend? Yes, he appeared with Trump, but he brought Susan Collins, the moderate Republican from Maine, and Brian Fitzpatrick, a, a more centrist Republican representing Bucks County, to, to surround him with business leaders in Bucks County because he knows those voters, the suburban Republicans, he needs to close strong with them if he really wants to beat Fetterman, who's turning out a lot of Democrats, has Obama, Biden, and the rest of the Democratic Party in full force behind him. And to your point, his message was one of balance. With Susan Collins, he stood there and spoke of the need to bring balance to Washington, D.C., which is kind of funny when I think about meeting Dr. Oz for the first time last December, inviting him on this program. And he said, I couldn't possibly. I would offend people on Fox. This is uh, something that has been a sea change in Oz's relatively short political career. He almost lost his political career before it started by losing the primary uh, to someone who was more establishment Republican. And he was also seen as an outsider by Trump's own supporters. And so he was one of those rare candidates in the primary. He got a Trump endorsement because he's known Trump for a long time. But the Trump voter didn't necessarily take the cue and follow it from Trump. So he really had to win over Trump voters in the end of that primary. And ever since, he's been doing this dance politically in, in Pennsylvania where he needs the Trump voter to still be with him. He can't have that Mastriano voter uh, turn their nose at Oz and just pull the lever for Mastriano. He needs the Mastriano voter to feel good about the Oz campaign, while he also needs the suburban Republican to feel good about the Oz campaign. Bob, I told the story here with your assistance months ago about how you came back to your native Bucks County to cover a Mastriano event and some guy in a a tri-corner hat turned you around. Uh, it is the most, I'll be kind and say, unconventional statewide campaign that I can remember in my lifetime being waged. It is. And look, most uh, I've just been a week in Bucks County, a week going across Pennsylvania as well. Mastriano's facing an uphill fight. He hasn't done a lot of advertising until the very end of this campaign. But when you talk to his allies, they say, look, if this is a red wave, if this is a big Republican year, it'll be like 94 It'd be a little bit like 1980, 2010, in the sense that a candidate like Mastriano, for all of his challenges, for all of his flaws, could be carried over by a Republican wave. And he he believes that by really focusing on the base, a base-focused, really stoke-the-base-at-the-end campaign, not moving toward the center like Oz. He's running the opposite campaign that Oz is running, that Mastriano believes he has a shot against Josh Shapiro. Now, Democrats feel better about Josh Shapiro's campaign than almost any other gubernatorial campaign in the country because they feel he has run strategically as an attorney general. Law and order hasn't gotten pulled into the left side of uh, political messaging on crime like so many Democrats have across the country because of Republican ads. He's presenting well in the suburbs. In fact, he has a lot of Bucks County Republicans uh, like Dave Heckler and former Congressman Greenwood, who I mentioned, endorsing Josh Shapiro for governor, even though they're Republicans. Uh, But that said, there's always a little unease on the Democratic side in Pennsylvania in a midterm year 
Uh, even if they run a perfect campaign, there's always that chance, like we saw in 2016, that the non-voter, the rural voter, the ex-urban Republican who maybe never comes out, comes out to vote against President Biden in record numbers or comes out to vote for Doug Mastriano. What other race, what other state has caught the attention of Robert Costa, the chief election and campaign correspondent for CBS News? A couple quick things. I spent a lot of time in Ohio. A lot of Democrats have written off Tim Ryan. I think if any Democrat surprises on Tuesday night, it could be Tim Ryan running for Senate against J.D. Vance. J.D. Vance's support among a lot of Trump people has been soft, though he has gone on Tucker Carlson a lot, tried to build up that Fox News base. But Tim Ryan, with his eastern Ohio, Youngstown, Democratic Union base has a decent shot, very uphill. Ohio's moved right. Keep an eye on Tim Ryan on Tuesday night. I think you also really have to pay attention to Colorado. Uh, it's under the radar because it's Colorado. It's not on the coast, and that's, that's not how it should be in political journalism. But Jared Polis, a moderate, business-friendly Democrat running for governor, could win by a big margin. He's someone who I think might be in the 2024 conversation should President Biden decide for whatever reason not to run. And Michael Bennett's Senate race. Uh, t- tighter than people think, running against Joe O'Day, a Republican who's pretty Susan Collins-like in his presentation. Keep an eye on Colorado. And the other thing on your radar, way off in the Northwest, keep an eye on Washington State. Some uh, friends of Patty Murray, the longtime Democrat there, tell me they're a little nervous. Yeah, for the same reason Josh Shapiro's people feel good but are always a little nervous because if this is a red wave, someone like Patty Murray is vulnerable. Uh, so just, you know, I'll be watching all those states as well as everything we've been talking about all year, Georgia, Pennsylvania, et cetera. Bob, you know the former president well. You co-authored Peril with Bob Woodward. Desanctimonious. Too soon? Unsurprising, though. You know him, Michael. You've covered him. Uh, he calls DeSantis desanctimonious over the weekend. It was kind of an aside during a rally, uh, that Pittsburgh rally. And you see Trump moving quickly toward a 2024 bid, already taking shots at DeSantis, desanctimonious, because his allies tell me that he's looking at a mid-November, late-November possible entry or at least some kind of formal declaration of interest. And it's not necessarily a a sign of strength politically. Some of his allies acknowledge that privately, that the the faster he's moving toward a run knows he believes he might need to freeze the field, shall we say, to get in to maybe stop Governor Youngkin stop Governor DeSantis from moving closer to a bid. And the thought process there is in the Trump side of things is that if he gets in, maybe others say to themselves they don't want a bloody fight for a nomination that Trump might not even endorse you if you beat him in the primary. So he's moving toward a bid at this this point, though he's facing a lot of legal challenges. Uh, It's going to be complicated for him on that front. Should he get in being a federal candidate, also under active investigation? And Youngkin, he's making his own moves. He came out with a big 90-second ad today. That seemed like a presidential ad. I reported on that for CBS News. So a lot of people are still kind of inching inching ahead, knowing Trump might get in in just a few weeks. But they smell, if not weakness, they smell opportunity in the Republican Party that not everyone's going to go in a knee-jerk way right to Trump again. DeSantis doesn't seem to me to be the type of person who gets intimidated. And the second thought that I'll I'll just ask you to quickly respond to is – Trump benefits from a multi-candidate field. Like the the worst thing for Trump is if he's one-on-one with Yunkin or one-on-one with DeSantis. But if if there are a handful of them, much less than we saw at the Reagan Library in 2016, where they had to have a JV squad because there were so many on that stage. But he benefits from a multi-candidate field. He likely would because he will always carry that core 15, 20, 25, even 30 percent. 
Uh, and real quick, I mean, this is so different, though, than 2015, 2016, because all those other candidates at that on that stage at that time were so different from him politically. Now he's going to be running against, if he runs, people who are a lot like him ideologically. Yeah, whatever that may mean. Robert Costa, big day. Nice to have you back in Bucks County. Appreciate it very much. Thank you. Bob Costa is the chief election and campaign correspondent for CBS News. Hear more of Michael Smirconish on Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124. Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Michael Smirconish for Independent Minds. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 Brand Spark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated.